I just watched this video on Young to Live By about how to stay on track with your individuation process. Uh, individuation is sort of the Jungian term for figuring out your uh, what is what is truly yourself in all of its ways, not just self in the center of the diagram, but like what is your shadow elements, anima elements, like kind of getting into uh, actualization in a sense. And uh, it made me think about this idea of growth versus purity or seeking some sort of perfectionistic state that there is this scramble that I see online in a lot of comments that I also relate to in trying to button up all of these little pieces of who we are, that we're trying to button up, you know, what is the perfect way to be an INTP in all of the cognitive functions, or how to operate, you know, without hurting people, or, um, you know, integrating our shadow, quote-unquote, or any of those elements, all of these things that start to look and feel like instruction manuals. You know, there's the thing that a lot of people do with any sort of um, thought leader or teacher or philosopher is we're all looking for some sort of instruction manual. And I think the process of individuation is part of accepting that there really isn't isn't any kind of instruction manual. And while there are these things that have been uncovered over the last hundred years or so that we can use this compass for or a map or guide or something like that it's still ultimately us making the journey through whatever uh woods or whatever adventure that we're going through and it seems to me that there is this perception of like a perfect state especially cognitively it's very tricky for us nts in particular in the Myers-Briggs system, to get caught up in the typology of it all and be looking for these perfect threads of how I need to be and to mold myself into that in some shape or form. And that's not individuation. That's molding yourself into a type. And that can be a trap. And that's really tricky. So what I'm hearing in all of this and what I was hearing in the video and what I've been noticing over my own growth period and talking to all sorts of different people is that growth is, is kind of a natural process. Growth is circumstantial. It's usually you need to grow through certain circumstances or situations. Like if you want a happy life and a happy marriage, then you're going to need to learn how to cooperate in X, Y, and Z ways or learning how to relate to your partner or potential partner or, to improve yourself enough to be attractive, right? Like to grow based on the circumstances of what you want, of what you desire, of what you feel like is going to give you some sense of homeostasis. Uh, This idea of purity or perfection is this like almost religiosity of not only the material, because I definitely hear that in the typology community of people talking about this stuff who are really, really, really into it, of purity of content, but purity in the sense of of if I do all of these things, something will click into place and I will be this enlightened being and I won't have these problems ever again. And through my research with spiral dynamics, uh, levels of development, 
this isn't really the case. Even people who are of quote-unquote turquoise enlightenment, people who have gone through a Satori and continuously experience uh, an elation and a high and a, a oneness with existence, there's a lot of talk around the highs get less high because the lows get less get low and you get more balanced and not necessarily it's not necessarily about not being human anymore and i think there is a little bit of this desire that if i lock everything into place i won't feel the human things anymore i won't be human or i won't grow in a human way anymore i won't make any more mistakes i won't uh suffer anymore i won't have any challenges and that to me is not growth. Like making mistakes is, is, is growth and growth is a continual process. Just as healing is a continual process, uh, getting to know ourselves is a continual process. Well, it's true that there may be a place that you get to where there will be fewer states of social fear. Maybe you won't get into the game of competition anymore. You can have enough money where you're just not worried about that as a need anymore until, you know, unless the economy economy collapses and your money isn't worth anything anymore, right? Like those are different circumstances. But even then, it's not like, uh, well, I'm saying that because it's not a permanent state. Like Elon Musk, for example, has multiple companies running. He's talked about Tesla almost going under a couple of times. And he has a lot of his money in a lot of different places. And it's very possible for even him, the richest person in the world, I believe at this time of this recording, to lose all of that and have to revert to some other means. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he would lose the growth that he's gained. It just means the circumstance would change and he'd have to go through that stuff again. Uh, growth, I think, is the ability to traverse previous terrain again if we need to. Uh, you know, so if you're you had a really good relationship and it didn't work out for some reason, but there's a lot of things you learned in that relationship. You take those things into the next relationship. Like you still have to go through the process of developing a bond with somebody. You can't necessarily just show up to a new relationship and be like, all right, well, we're just going to continue where we left off with the last one. Like <laughs> that's not really how that works. Um, and people who try to do that are, uh, often using their partner as a, a tool or a puppet or something like that <laughs> to try to get their life back on track. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a, that's a karma for another time for that to happen for them to, to deal with, with their own, on their own. Um, so anyway, this idea of, of, I think there's this assumption that enlightenment or higher graves levels, or there's some point of growth where everything that you worry about, you won't ever worry about again. And that's true that there are some things like you'll have a greater, uh, I wouldn't say control, but a greater relationship with your ego, with your shadow, with your anima and whatever other voices and elements are in your mind. And you may have a greater relationship with those things where those things are not necessarily in control of you anymore. Um, but it doesn't mean that the work stops, it, you know, like if you let your guard down, it can totally take over again, right? You just have a greater ability to, and to, to manage that and be able to do that. And so it's not necessarily a state of purity. You don't lose your humanity. You don't let go of that, but it's a place where you're living your life and participating in reality. And that's something I feel like I'm, 
needing to really accept in myself is that I, I'm really getting caught up in a lot of these topics. I get a lot caught up in, in typology or, or Jungian depth psychology or the Graves model and all of these things, which really, really do help me understand humanity, but it doesn't necessarily help me participate in humanity. If anything, I could always use it as a case to not engage with humanity. And that's counterintuitive to typically how we're going to effectively grow because we do need to integrate with society. We need to find ways to find our, you know, our, our meaningful contribution, whether that's, you know, whether that's through having a job or creating our own organization or uh, nurturing family or taking care of kids or whatever the case may be, that there is this, this version of, of needing to be involved and not just take a meta perspective on reality and distance yourself because getting trapped in our own psychology, which is something that the, the recent series moon Knight, uh, which is a great comic book series. Um, and is now a Disney plus series is really starting to touch on. And in his case, he's dealing with dissociative identity disorder, but I know a lot of INTPs, those who are in my audience, we can very much get trapped in our own mind and get in trapped into theory and conceptualizing of the, experience of life, even to the point of turning life into a grand social experiment and not fully engaging ourselves within sort of an emotional openness and vulnerability and being able to relate and connect. Like to me, with understanding the anima, it's great for me to see not only from a personal perspective, but from a large scale perspective, how valuable it is to relate to the opposite gender energy or, or sex, uh, you know, for me, masculine versus feminine for others, it may be feminine versus masculine and relating, relating to, uh, not relating to, what did I say with relating with, uh, people of those, those various energies right now, like, you know, there's a political landscape that is feels like it's literally two opposing sides, which is sort of a symptom of America kind of always being about like, okay, the boys sit over here and the girls sit over here. There's this separation. And the only time you start to relate with each other is when you start to be attracted to each other or find each other cute and start to build those bonds. And uh, for the longest time, I think I've been trying to figure out where the unhealthy aspect of two purple within America lies. And I think it is that I think there's this, this anima work collectively that is a part of our collective unconscious work of relating with the opposite sex or relating to the sex that we're attracted to in, uh, in, in having a healthy relationship that is not always about sex, uh, whether it's toward or uh, against and having a ability to get into the mess of that because it's not, you know, you put too much stakes on relationship when it's always about trying to get something from them. Right. Um, this is a weird example, but I just thought of this last night, Molly and I went to an art show and, uh, Molly and I have very different upbringings and she's more of like grew up in the country and they were, you know, they had, they were doing okay financially and all that stuff. And, um, I grew up in the city in Philadelphia, kind of in Northeast Philadelphia and definitely didn't have money. And, you know, my mom, when we went to a restaurant, she would take the breadsticks and put them in her purse and take them home <laughs> and stuff like that. And then ask for more and take those home. Right. Uh, and, uh, at this event last night, there were these like hoagies, these sandwiches that you 
could have. And Molly had one and she was like eyeing them and she wanted more. I was like, do you want more? She's like, yeah, yeah, I would love to take some home, but like, I'd be so embarrassed to do that. I'm like, no, I'll just put two on a plate and it's totally fine. I'll carry it out. And she's like, oh no, everyone's going to look at us. <laughs> she's just like really concerned about it. And I was like, it's fine. It's really, no one, everybody's worried about their own things. They're not really worried about whatever. It's really not a big deal. And, uh, I think some of getting to know the way people function and work allowed me to do that sort of thing <laughs> allows me to like, uh, allows me to to not really worry about that so much. And, you know, I, I have no problem uh, having conversations with people in the room about it if it comes up. And if somebody comes up to me and says like, hey, you can't take those sandwiches. I'm like, they're in the middle of the room. They're there to be taken. I'm going to take them. Or I, I don't know, make up something and be like, my kids are starving in the car. They haven't eaten all day. And uh, the windows are locked and it's hot outside. So I should go handle that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know why I got into that story. I totally forgot where I was going with it. But um, the idea being to circle back to all of this uh, about growth versus purity is is growth is kind of this this integration of all of these elements of your your past and your history, and you know, not really having shame around those things. I guess that's why I brought up the sandwich thing. It's like I could have all sorts of shame around. Uh, how my life was or the things that I learned because I grew up, you know, fairly, fairly poor for the first 10 years of my life and, uh, learned a lot of those things. And I could totally have shame around that, but like, it doesn't matter. And I can let go of that. And, uh, if I get caught, that's fine. <laughs> it's like, that's not the worst thing in the world. And, um, I think getting caught up in this purity game, especially purity of thought, purity of concept, purity of theory, and trying to be this perfect iteration of something and not going out into the world and making a mess is, is detrimental to us, I believe. And I'm, I'm still figuring out my version of that. I'm redefining in a lot of ways who I am. And I, I don't know to what degree I've really talked about that. I'm trying to detether myself from really working with clients at all um, and wanting to do more, create more art and to express myself more to, I don't know, maybe come up with a comedy podcast or something, do something that's a little bit more relatable because this is such, I don't know, all of this is great. And I appreciate so many people listening to me when I do this stuff, but it's not, <laughs> it's not something I could easily just talk about at a cocktail party. You know what I mean? Uh, or at the grocery store be like, yeah, I do a personal growth podcast where I talk about all my inner world shit. And they're like, Oh, that sounds scary. <laughs> um, so there's a part of it where I'm wanting to relate to humans again in some sense and figure out what that looks like. Anyway, this is going on way longer than I wanted it to, but, uh, you know, it, it's becoming apparent to me how much I've, I've needed to just like talk and that's what this podcast is, is the ability for me to talk. So, um, let me know your thoughts. Like, are you in this space where you're theorizing too much? Do you feel like you're over clinging to typology or any particular system? Do you feel like you could afford to live life more or, or are you living life enough? Because there is a degree of like, just kind of getting into the unconscious rhythm of life and not being awoke, not awoke, but awakened to consciousness and what everyone's doing and all of that stuff, uh, and not, and, and, um, 
basically being asleep at the wheel and, um, I lost my train of thought. Hold on one second. You can basically be asleep at the wheel and living life and doing things and going through the motions and not do any sort of like spiritual growth work or understand depth, like some aspects of your own depth psychology and have tools. Right. But then there's the other side where you can be so awake in your bed, (laughs) staring at the ceiling and not engaging with life at all. Right. Uh, Spiritually awake, but like, you know, sitting at the mountaintop and not being human. And uh, there's this aspect that I learned about turquoise or like people getting into a Satori or getting into non-dual states where there's typically a vow made by people of that, that, that headspace or, or that life experience to not hide in Nirvana. And I think that's what a lot of us are trying to do when you're heading towards this sense of quote unquote purity is like, we're trying to find Nirvana to hide, <laughs> to hide from reality, to hide from people, to hide from the world. And, um, I don't know, to me, that just, that can feel a bit uh, counterintuitive to what it is we're trying to do anyway, which is to exist uh, more fully, or at least that's what I want to do. So uh, I hope all this made sense. It was a lot, but I appreciate you for listening. Happychemicals.org. We have some courses there and all that fun stuff. And um, like, subscribe, share, etc. That'd be great. So I appreciate you. I have been Christian Rivera. I continue to be Christian Rivera. (laughs) And I'm going to go in Barnes & Noble and read or something. And I appreciate you so very much. I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya.